Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, my name's Ty. I am. Someone just said, "How are you?" And I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I never get that. Hey, uh, my name's Ty. I'm one of the pastors here. It's. Thanks for thinking about me. It's great to be here. It's funny you ask how I'm doing. The question's going to be turned around on you and how you're doing. Um, I got a few announcements before we get started. Um, got, I've got some really good news for you. I thought I was going to come up here with some really bad news. And so this morning, uh, we had a water, uh, a, a main water line break. Oh, you're saying ooh for yourself there because uh, I was going to come up here and tell you all the bathrooms are shut down, but <laughs> thanks be to God, they're not. And so uh, if some of you heard that earlier that the bathrooms are shut down, they're all back open now, and so we're okay. Woo! I mean, we made it through, we made it through a good one there, huh? Right. So anyway, just so you know, bathrooms are working, water's on, and I know that sounds like what it sounds like, but there you go. So that's number one. Number two, uh, this Wednesday, we have our Ash Wednesday gathering. It'll be at 630. We'll have childcare available for, uh, for birth through two-year-olds. And so uh, make sure you come as we kick off the season of Lent. Some of you kind of confused of like, wait a minute, we're not a Catholic church. Why are we doing Ash Wednesday? Why are we doing Lent? Uh, I would love for you to join us there. You'll hear all about what the season of Lent looks like, what it's all about. And then you'll hear about Ash Wednesday as well. Uh, and then also uh, we participate in that together by the imposition of ash on our forehead. And so really looking forward to that this coming Wednesday, 630. Second thing uh, for all the ladies in the room, let me, let me hear from you ladies. Let me get a whoop whoop. Okay. Uh, Women's Conference is open. Uh, Registration is open now. It's going to be an all-day event on March 25th. Uh, We have a speaker coming in. Her name is Taylor Turkington. Uh, She's been writing a lot of books. Uh, Just wrote a book on the book of Habakkuk. She also writes for the Gospel Coalition. uh, And so just a great opportunity to learn together. So make sure you go ahead and register for that uh, today. You can scan the black QR code, the third one, on the seat back in front of you. Do that today. Uh, I'm not sure if there'd be limited space, but I'm going to lie to you and say there's limited space, so sign up now. So you don't wait to the last minute. That's just me trying to help you out. And then lastly, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, I talked about uh, as Christians, we are to serve everyone around us, to do good to everyone around us. But the text said at the time in Galatians that we're to do that first to the household of God. And so that's to our family here. That's how we grow together. And so maybe for some of you, you're like, I still don't know how to, how to serve one another. Uh, good news for you is on, in, in the lobby on your way out, we've got some tables out there with various serving teams. You can stop by, ask a lot of questions, and get signed up for a serving team. Sound good? You guys ready to get started? Hey, um, have you ever noticed like on the news or anytime you tel- turn the television on, uh, you feel like uh, an existential crisis is about to happen? Like existential mean like our existence, who you are as a person, who we are as human beings. I feel like every time you turn the television on or you know, open your phone up or whatever, that, like an existential crisis is about to happen. There's a war somewhere, like potentially Ukraine, that's, and we're all like, is it going to be World War III? We don't know. I mean, there's always uh, an event going on that's like threatening us. Uh, if you hear about the weather, we have global warming or climate change, however you want to phrase that, to where it's snowing in the summer and then it's really hot in the wintertime. We have snow tornadoes now, which is the wildest thing ever, and like this existential crisis of like, we're, we're killing the planet, uh, or maybe it's money when it comes to our money, like, you know, we're in a recession, maybe, maybe not, inflation is high for sure, I mean, like a carton of eggs is like, what, $48 now, I mean, I don't even know, it's like, good Lord, uh, and then like, an existential crisis, or like Tom Brady's going to retire now, some of you guys don't know what to do with that. I mean, your football is over with. You don't know what to do with life. I mean, it's an existential crisis. We're running out of water. Have I given you heart palpitations yet? I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, So here's what I want to do today. Uh, 
I, I want to make you feel like you're going to have an existential crisis. That's exactly what I want to do today. Uh, actually, um, by God and, and uh, by His Spirit and through His Word today, I, I want us to. I, I want Him to to wake us up. I want Him to to rouse us uh, to action. And so here's. I, I want to start with a question. Uh, and, and perhaps as you hear this question, I want to give us space and some quiet uh, to really ponder this question, maybe ask ourselves and ask God this question about our lives. Maybe for you, it might be best to close your eyes and ask this question. That way you can be super focused. And here's the question. What are you doing with your life? Maybe just keep your eyes closed, maybe just a spirit of, of silence. I want you to really think about what, what's the point of your life? What's the aim of your life? What are you doing with your life? Kind of keep your eyes closed if that's what you're doing. Maybe some of your answers go like this. I don't know. Never thought about it. Maybe some of you like, I, I did know at one point, but I feel like I lost it. I, I kind of feel lost. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. For some of you, it may be surviving. I'm just trying to get through the day. For some of you, it may be what, well, you know, my life is all about just taking care of the ones around me, almost to the point where I don't get to think about myself, so I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. For some of you, it's work. All I do is work. I get up, I go to work, I come home, I fall asleep, I get up, I go to work. These are not bad things. Maybe for some of us, what am I doing with my life? It's whatever I want to do. I live for myself, I live for my comfort, I live my, for fun and pleasure. For some of you, maybe I'm trying to prove myself to, insert the blank, my dad, my mom, my peers, my coworkers. For many of you, honestly, it may be I'm trying to live for Jesus. I really am. What are you doing with your life? You can go ahead and open your eyes now. See, here, here's the thing when it comes to our life. We get one of them in this kind of way it is right now. You know, we, because of Jesus... There, there, there is the second life for sure, but, but this life, you get one of them, and if we got really honest, we really started thinking about what we're doing with our life right now, we would all agree that we, we don't want to waste our lives. But sometimes we, we don't think about what we're doing with our lives. We're not very intentional. Sometimes life feels like wake up, get ready, go to work, go to school, go do whatever the task is at hand, uh, get home, try to eat a little bit. Maybe if you've got family or kids, try to, try to eat together if you can or grab food on the way, go to an activity, go to a thing, go to bed, completely exhausted, repeat each and every day. And we wonder sometimes, like, what am I doing with my life? And then you know, months go by, years go by, and decades go by, and we really haven't answered that question. What what is my life all about? What's the, the point of my life? And sometimes as Christians, we look at our lives and we have this feeling like, well, I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of lackluster. I kind of feel like I'm a little bit confused in my life. I, I kind of feel like I don't have much aim in my life. And we wonder why. It's like something's missing. But then what happens? 
Life keeps going, right? You get up, you keep doing the same thing over and over, and we're, it's like we're just chasing something we don't even know. There's a phenomenon that happens in the country quite often. It's a dog chasing a car. You ever seen that in the country? It's hilarious, because you always think, like, every time I see a dog chase a car, and side note, we had a dog, it was an outside dog, and some of you are like, what's an outside dog? It's a dog that lives outside. We had an outside dog. That's what you, in the country, it's a stray, uh, someone feeds it, then you got to give it a name, and all of a sudden, it's your dog. He chased a car, lost a leg, another story for another day. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, you ever seen the phenomenon where a dog chases a car? You ever wonder, what's it going to do when it catches it? What are you going to do when you catch this elusive thing you're chasing? Or you don't even, at times we just, we don't even know what we're going to do. Imagine with me, if you will, imagine if God gave you clear direction, clear calling, clear purpose, a clear mission for your life. And, And you don't have to go changing everything. You don't have to go rearranging a whole lot of things. It just causes you to be intentional. It causes you to focus in a different direction. It causes you to have to think through. I really think God has a call for each one of our lives today. And so today we're concluding our everyday missionaries. We talked about every Christian is a missionary, uh, and, we, and we live out being a missionary in everyday, ordinary ways. And so I think in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, God has a very clear call for each and every one of us. So if you've got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Acts chapter 1, it's in your New Testament. If you don't have a Bible here at Grace Point Church, we always say you're going to need a Bible. We lead, teach, and preach from the Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. We have them, the old school versions in, uh, in a paperback, uh, in English and Spanish, at these tables, tables in the back in Centerpoint. And also you can download the Version app and um, have it there on your phone. Click events and Grace Point Church stuff pops up. Uh, but I, I, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. A little bit about the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke. Uh, and if you've been around Grace Point for the past little season, we've, we've been in Luke quite a bit, which has been a lot of fun. And uh, Luke, he was a doctor, and he uh, wrote the, the, the gospel of Luke, and that's kind of like volume 1. And then he writes uh, the second volume, which would be the book of Acts. That's volume 2. So you have Luke and the book of Acts kind of sit as a, a complete work together. Uh, and, and when you look at uh, the, the gospel look, you see all that Jesus did, his birth, uh, life, death, resurrection. And then when you get to the book of Acts, you see post-resurrection, because Jesus was, uh, after re- the resurrection, walked around for 40 days. Uh, over 500 people were eyewitnesses to the, the resurrected Jesus, and then you'll see in just a moment he ascends. And so then you get the birth of the church. And so you may be wondering, how did the church start? Or why is Grace Point Church in existence? And how did it all come to be? The book of Acts is the answer to that. So we're in Acts 1, uh, and I will start in verse 1. Are, are you guys there? You ready? Okay. Acts 1.1, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so like he's saying, hey, in the first volume, in in the gospel, look, I I, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, there's an interesting way in which Luke phrases this. He says, and all in what Jesus began to do. What does began mean? We started, but but it, it doesn't mean it's finished, right? Like Jesus started something but didn't finish it. And so there's, there's something to be finished. Now, I'm going to make sure we all understand our salvation is finished. When Jesus was on the cross, some of the last three words he said was what? It is, 
Right, and so it's finished, it's over, it's done. He's done all the work necessary for us to be saved, but there's this idea of this mission of God or his kingdom to come that he, he is not finished with, and it looks like he wants this partnership with us in that. Now, in the text, it says uh, all that Jesus began to, to do and to teach. Uh, and, and when it comes to what Jesus did, everyone, I would argue, even people who are not Christians, and if you're not a Christian today, I would argue that even you, you enjoy what Jesus has done. We can look back at all that Jesus has done, no matter if you're a Christian or not, like, man, I really like what Jesus does. Like, I mean, think about it. Jesus took a kid's little Lunchable and he fed like 5,000 people with it and there was like a bunch left over and everybody was full and hungry. Who doesn't like a guy who feeds a lot of people? Or he healed a lot of people. There were people that were blind that he gives sight back. There were people that couldn't walk that he allowed them to walk. I mean, Jesus was all about the poor, all about the least, last, and the lost, and, and, and just his action towards them. I mean, Jesus, he even dies sacrificially uh, for the sins of the world. And we would look at that, no matter if you're a Christian or not, and be like, hey, what a great guy. Like all these things that Jesus did, what a wonderful thing. But not only did Jesus do some stuff, he also said some stuff. And when the things that Jesus said, that's where it gets a little dicey with people, Right? There's a lot of things that Jesus said, like, love your neighbor as yourself, and everybody's like, yay, let's do that. But there's other things that Jesus said that actually got him killed. Remember that time he said over and over when Jesus says, I am God? Yeah, that was a big deal. That got him killed. Uh, when he said he was the savior of the world and that you should worship him and him alone. When he said that I am the judge of the living and the dead. Many people will step back and like, no one can judge me. Well, Jesus is like, eh, I will. Uh, when, when Jesus says that he is the only way to heaven. You know, Jesus made that claim, right? Not everybody's happy with that one. I'm the only, he also said, I am the truth. And so when you're looking for concrete, absolute, when you're looking for the truth, who do you look to? Look to? Jesus. When Jesus said these things like deny yourself, uh, lose yourself, that way you can be found. When Jesus says, have joy in your persecution. When Jesus says that we're all going to suffer a little bit. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles. When Jesus said, go and sin no more. And when Jesus says, drop everything you're doing and follow me. Oh, we love what Jesus, what he does, right? But when he says these things, well, that's a whole different situation. You know, in life, there are times when things just don't go together. Like you have two things and you're like, man, those two things don't go together. Like uh, Android users, like doesn't go together. Or like, um, like, uh, like a Nickelback concert, just things that, shouldn't, things that shouldn't be in existence. Here's the reality when it comes to all that Jesus did and all that Jesus said. Those things go lock and step. You can't separate what Jesus has done and what Jesus has said. You can't do it. See, we may say that Jesus is awesome, he did great things to help humanity, that he was trustworthy, that he was humble, that he was amazing, but then we hear these words right here and realize he's making claims that no one else in history has made rightfully, saying things like, I am God, I love you, I made you, I want you, follow me, surrender yourself to me, listen to me. And this is what Luke is going to do. Luke is preparing to unload the true meaning and purpose of the church of disciples, of Christians. And what he wants to make sure, I think, by starting out that way is don't divorce the two. You may like Jesus' works, but you don't like what Jesus says. But if you want Jesus' works, you have to listen to what he says as well. And he's getting ready to say something really big. And the question for us is this. Will we obey? Will we listen to it? Will we apply it? 
Will we do what Jesus is saying? Let's see. Verse 2. Jesus is going to tell us how to live life, what it's all about. Verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented, this is Jesus, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so basically Luke is saying uh, Jesus resurrected, Jesus embodied, wasn't a ghost, because like uh, there's one point after the resurrection, I don't know if you remember that, like they're out there fishing, and Jesus is like, I'm hungry. And they're like, hey, we got a fish sandwich. And he's like, all right, cool, I'll eat that. It went something like that. Anyway, ghosts don't eat a fish sandwich. Jesus did because he was physically embodied. And so what, what Luke is telling us there is that Jesus um, was physically alive. This is good news. And he walked around. And if you look in Paul's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians there, uh, Paul writes that over 500 people saw him. So that's what he's saying. Now, listen to what Jesus is going to tell his disciples because he's telling us the same thing. Look at verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them. What does ordered them mean? He told them. He commanded them. Jesus has the right to command his disciples. If you are a disciple, a follower, a Christian, he has the right. He has earned the right by his life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension to command us. He says he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so we see uh, from verse 3 that Jesus was hanging around with his friends for 40 days. And so like Jesus comes back to life. Could you imagine being a disciple of Jesus? Jesus has been talking all this stuff for a long time, talking in parables, then talking straightforward to the disciples of like, hey, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm coming back to life. And then when Jesus died on the cross, they're like pretty messed up over it. Like, oh, no. It's like they didn't know what was going to happen. And then guess what? Three days later, ta-da, Jesus is back to life. So now they're like amped up and they're ready. Like, Jesus, what do we do now? And what does Jesus tell them? What does Jesus tell them in the text? Wait. 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 Could you imagine a disciple like, wait, I thought, no, what? Wait? Who in here loves to wait? No one. <laughs> it's the worst. Tom Putty says it's the hardest part. It's the worst. No one likes to wait, but he tells them there to wait. Why? Why did Jesus tell Christians, why did he tell them in that moment, at that time, to wait? Because the Christian life cannot be lived apart from Christ's power. Jesus made a promise earlier, uh, when he, before the resurrection, before the cross, that he would send the helper. He would send the comforter. And so Christians, to live out this thing that Jesus calls to, we need the power of Christ. Where does the power of Christ come from? I want you to skip down to verse 8. We're going to look at the first part, and then I'll, go, I'll come back. But verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Real quick, uh, Holy Spirit, not an it, not a force. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Uh, so the Ho Holy Spirit is a, has personhood. That's another message for another day. But it says right here that you will receive power. Now, originally in the Greek, the word right there is dudamus. It's where we get the word dynamite, meaning Christ's power in your life is to, supposed to be powerful like dynamite. There's supposed to be power in our lives. We don't just look at Jesus like great teacher, did great things, said, said a lot of things. Uh, I, I admire Jesus. No, no, Jesus is not just to be admired. No, he is to be emulated. 
but not emulate it in our own power or our own strength. He is to be emulated by his power, by the power of the Spirit. I mean, how many times have we looked at the life of Jesus and like, man, that's great. I want to do that. I mean, think about some of the things Jesus did. Jesus always said no to sin and yes to God. Who, who doesn't want to do that, right? You want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. He never took advantage of anyone. He never stole anything. He never gave into lust. He was always generous. He never overdrank. He never overate. He never ate a gallon of ice cream when he was feeling blue. He always told the truth. He suffered honorably. honorably. He fasted for 40 days. He loved people perfectly. One of my favorite things about Jesus is this, of many things I love about Jesus, but he knew how to use sarcasm. And he did it so well, especially to the rigid religious people, and he was constantly putting burns out there. And it's just, it's amazing. Now, it's easy sometimes to just admire Jesus' life and not actually try to live it out. Or we try to live it out in our own power and strength, and how's that working for us? Not very good. But yet, he says right here that you can receive power by the Holy Spirit. My Bible tells me that if, if we're in Christ, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit power working in us. So what does that look like? Because sometimes when we talk about Holy Spirit in church, we get a little nervous, don't we? Like, oh, uh-oh, what do we do here? And sometimes we want to overemphasize or underemphasize the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we want the Holy Spirit to, to be the big, bright, shining light in, in our lives and in ministries, but that's not his role, not his purpose. Um, J.I. Packer, theologian of, later, uh, of earlier days, said this about the Holy Spirit. He was walking to church uh, one winter evening to preach uh, on these words from the Bible, the Holy Spirit shall glorify me, meaning Jesus. Uh, and then he saw the church building he was walking to all floodlit. He says, as I turned the corner, I realized that this was exact, exactly the illustration my message needed. When floodlighting is well done, the floodlights are so placed that you do not see them. You are not, in fact, supposed to see where the light is coming from. What you are meant to see is just the building on which the floodlights are trained. The intended effect is to make it visible when otherwise it would not be seen for the darkness and to maximize its dignity by throwing all its detail into relief so that you see it properly. This perfectly illustrates the spirit role. He is, so to speak, the hidden floodlight that shines on Jesus. That's the point. The Holy Spirit in our lives is not to shine light on us. The Holy Spirit in our life is not to shine even light on himself. The Holy Spirit is to shine light on who? Jesus. And so we know when we're walking in the Spirit when our lives are reflecting and shining light on Jesus. And that's what he's talking about. Now, some of you right now are wondering, Ty, this makes no sense. Where are you going with this? How, what does this have to do with my life and what am I living for? I'm almost there. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him. So the disciples all come together after the resurrection. They asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now go back to verse 6. It's interesting. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? What are they thinking about? It's kind of like... Um, Will you make Israel great again? It, I mean, is that not what they're... Is it MAGA time? Like, you're going to make Israel great again? Is what they're asking. And Jesus is like, hey, man, whoa, whoa. That's a fine thing. That's not the purpose. Like, that's, that's what he's going right here. The, a new government is not what the world needs. Now, I know in that time period, Israel is being crushed by oppressive Roman Empire and all that kind of stuff. And I know what the Bible says about Israel and all that, but... 
at this time that Jesus is not, that's not the main focus of what he's getting right here. It's not that a new government will change our lives in the world. It can make things better. It can make things good, all those kind of things. But it, it, it's not going to bring forth the kingdom of God. C- can you hear that this morning? Having, if we get a new government or the one we have or whatever it is, just know this. That's a fine thing for sure, but it's not the ultimate thing. What's going to change the world? What's going to help people the most? What's going to usher in the kingdom? What's going to make disciples? What's going to plant churches? And what should be the ones who are feeding people and clothing people and helping the sick and, and, and doing and like just, just like really caring for the world well? What institute or what people should be doing this? Who should be doing this? Now, I want to prepare you because Jesus is getting ready to give us the answer. He's getting ready to tell us who is going to solve the problems of the world or who is going to keep going with the mission in which he's created. Are you ready to hear this? Are you ready? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Train them well. Verse 8. In a roundabout way. Verse 8. What is, what's the first two words? Who? who? You. That's, that's you. Like, who, who's going to continue the mission? Remember, all that Jesus began to do, who's going to continue the mission? Who's going to allow God to work through them by this Holy Spirit power to change the world? But you. That's what he says, right? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, and you will be my witness. Ah, witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the work. This is our call. This is what we're called to do. In everyday, ordinary ways, we're called to be a witness. That, that is our role. That's why we're here. If you're thinking, what in the world am I created for? To be a witness of Jesus to the world around you. That's it. And to make it clear, look what, Je- look what Jesus does next. Because remember, he began to teach and all this. He began to do these things. He gives them their final charge. He says, but you will be my witness. That's our charge in life. Every Christian, that's what you're supposed to do. Be a witness. And look what Jesus does. The ultimate mic drop. Verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Do you know what that means? It's the ascension. Like a balloon without a string, there goes Jesus. I mean, gone. He's out. Mic drop. He just said this. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Meaning, how is Jesus going to return physically from the heavens? So, but that's another conversation another day. Jesus left, left us with his mission. He left us with his, his work. He left us with his word. He left us w- with his power. And now we have the mission of God in our minds, in our mouths, in our hands, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our deeds. Like, Jesus didn't come to, to just save you and make you a better person. Jesus didn't come to save you so you can hit all your goals in life and to be a well-rounded person and have some spirituality. Jesus didn't save you for those reasons. Jesus saved you because he loved you, snatched us out of the gates of hell. And yet, he gives us purpose. He gives us meaning. He gives us a role. He gives us calling. And the calling is so we may be a witness to see the world changed. That's what our calling is. That's what our, our everyday life, our calling I mean, think about it. 2,000 years ago, he grabs 12, 
He says, you'll be my witness. Right before Pentecost uh, in Acts chapter 2, that 12 turns into 120. At the day of Pentecost, when preaching is happening, then all of a sudden that 120 added 3,000 to it. And then as preaching continued and the word got out and people were actually doing what Jesus said, being a witness for Jesus by demonstrating it and loving people well around them and caring for people well around them and also proclaiming the good news, that 3,000 more and more and more. And I want you to think about this. Over 2,000 years later, the word got to you on a different continent in a different time period. And it's not supposed to stop here. We are the ones to continue this. Sometimes while we, while we feel bored or confused or distracted, it's because we, we've gotten attached to some other mission, some very small mission. And he's called us to a very large mission. It's, imagine, Christian, if you were to grab your Bible and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. Jesus, what should I do with my life? If you open it up, he will tell you what to do with your life. And part of it is to be a witness. That's what he commands every Christian, to be a witness. Look what it says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That means wherever you go, you will be my witness. And when you read the book of Acts, you see about almost 40 times in the book of Acts, he uses the word witness. There, The word witness is there. Witness is the same word as martyr. You know what a martyr is, right? Someone who dies for their faith. But here's the interesting thing about being a witness, though. Jesus is not asking us to die for him. He's asking us to live for him. So many of us will say, I would die for my faith. My question to you would be like, great, I'm glad you would take a bullet for Jesus. That's amazing. But will you live for him right now? And that's what witness means. Witness means this. It is one who trades their life. That's what witness means. One who trades their life. I have traded my life. Remember, remember we were in death. And when Jesus saved us, we were traded into life. Remember that? The Bible says that we were in darkness, and now we're in the kingdom of light. Remember that? That we had old creation, and old creation is dead, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Now we are new creation. We, we have traded our lives. Let's live out the traded life. That's what witness means. I'm going to talk about Jesus no matter the cost. I'm going to show others Jesus no matter the cost. I'm going to allow Jesus to, to direct my life and my choices, all of my choices, no matter the cost. I'm going to live for Jesus in everyday, ordinary, intentional ways, no matter what. That's what it means to be a witness. So my question for us, we need to think through is, are we a witness? Are we a witness? Some of you are like, okay, this sounds great. How long do I need to be a witness? I'll give you the time period on it. You ready? Until you die or Jesus returns, or everyone's heard about Jesus. Uh, we got a ways to go. And so we, we are witness. And I know when you have a message like this, it feels like one of those rah-rah messages. And we'll sign up, we'll show up, and then, let's be honest, we give up. <laughs> and I think that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to help us to persevere to the end. And so we need to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, help me to persevere following Jesus to the end. So are you going to be a witness? How, do you, how can you be a witness? Well, I mean, if you look back at verse 8, it says, it says, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those are actual physical locations, 
but I think we can kind of contextualize that for ourselves. Jerusalem is here. Uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth is there. Because I Listen, I'm going to give you two locations. I'm a simple guy. Some people may confuse that with me being dumb. Maybe so, but simple person. Nonetheless, where am I going to be a witness? Here and there, okay? So question is, how can I be a witness for Jesus? How can I live out that new life for Jesus right now? If you'll remember, if you're new with us, you can go back and listen. Or if you missed a week, you can go back and listen. Every week we've been laying that out, how you can be a witness for Jesus here. Remember we said that one week when we were going through Leviticus and the blood on the ear and the hand, the thumb and the foot, I, I can listen to God, serve God, walk with God. Or remember the other one is share the gospel with yourself. Remember we need to hear the gospel over and over. The more we hear the gospel ourselves, we can share it with other people. We can talk to outsiders. Remember the week I said there's two types of people. There's outsiders and insiders. We can talk to outsiders and talk to God as well. We can, I mean, later on in uh, the next week, I talked about, hey, we can give Jesus more control. Like our life is all about submitting more control over to Jesus and having less control ourselves. Some of us, we hate that. Like, no, I want all control. Like, no, give it to Jesus. Or we can see through the eyes of Jesus. Remember not too long ago, like if we're going to love our, our neighbors well, we need to pray and have open eyes open hearts, open opportunities, and open resources. Remember a few weeks back we said do good to everyone, especially here with your family, and that serving one another is vital for your personal growth, and there's a, this is a family, not an event. This, this is how we begin to live that. I remember we talked about uh, having our, our speech to outsiders be gracious, seasoned with salt. Remember all that? This is, this is how we do it. We, we, we do this together. That's, how, that's what we do here. Now, I really want to focus on there. Uh, wh where's the there? Grace Point Church, we're very intentional about who we are serving there. We have ministry opportunity in Ireland with Andrew Elder. We have ministry opportunities in, in India, which Andrew and I will be going over there in March to kind of uh, help out and do some preaching over there uh, with Arjuna in India. We also have uh, Karim there in Turkey. Uh, and we have Carlos and Myra from right here uh, at the Give Foundation. So, I'm going to take the rest of my time, and I, I want to tell you about Carlos Meyer. Uh, two weeks ago, a week ago, I don't know, not long ago, which probably was eight years ago, but not long ago, uh, time escapes me. It was like a week or two ago. Uh, Pastor Nick and I had the opportunity to go to El Salvador. Now, if you're new, um, Carlos Meyer were homegrown here at Grace Point Church, trusted Jesus, baptized, and uh, they really have started a great ministry uh, down in El Salvador, really just, just gospel ministry, caring for people, and so we support them. And I wanted to come to you and tell you more about them because I actually got to see it with my own eyes. And man, when you go down there to El Salvador and see what they're doing, and anyone can go down there, I'll talk about it in a moment, it, it, it begins to, to, to wreck you in, in, in good ways. Like, I got home, got really excited. My like, Angie, we're going to sell everything and move to El Salvador. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> She's like, I heard this speech ago, a long time ago about Las Vegas. And I was like, well, we did that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But nonetheless, uh, just, just an amazing work going down, down there with Carlos and, and Myra. Um, one of the things that we noticed down in El Salvador is that, um, I'm trying to find a, a careful way to say this, but the, the church scene down there was, was somewhat disheartening. It really was. Just, just the churches. A, a lot of churches where they uh, have a prophet and a lot of prosperity gospel, unfortunately, down there. And so... Uh, there's just not a strong biblical gospel representation, presentation down there. And so I'm just so thankful that Carlos and I are, are gospel people. 
and they're, uh, they're, they're doing a gospel work down there, which hopefully is building them a rapport, which when we were down there, people are, are almost like gossiping in the streets about all the good work that they're hearing about Carlos and I are doing. And the cool thing about them is they're always pointing everything back to Jesus. And they're also pointing things back to you, Grace Point Churches. They're saying, hey, there's this church in the States and all places called Las Vegas that love you and care for you. I'm sure people are like, wait, what? Like, they love you, they care for you, and they, they want to see good for you and, and good done for you and good news to you as well. And so um, in, in that world, when a church person does something for you, there are a lot of strings attached of like, you're going to tithe, you're going to give, you're going to do something for the prophet or for whoever. Uh, the way they're serving people down there, there's no strings attached. We just love you. And they're, and they're doing empowering, not enabling ministry. It's, it's beautiful. One of their key verses is Matthew 25. And I love when you take a, a, a Bible, Bible verses or a section of Bible and you not only just like the verse, you not only just put it on your website, but you actually do it. And this was their, uh, kind of one of their key verses. It says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. They're doing that. We got to see that firsthand. Let me, I'm going to kind of break down a little bit of what they're doing there, because I really want you to hear it. The, the first thing they're doing there is the nutrition program. They're, they're feeding people uh, that, that some people um, may get one meal a day, if that. And I'm talking about meager, meager. And so they're actually feeding them. This is something that Carlos's grandfather started a long time ago that Carlos and I are now grabbed hold of and like just, just really growing and doing some amazing things with it. Uh, and so what, what they're doing is they're providing food for them. I'm talking about corn, rice, beans and eggs. Some of you here uh, sponsor that. Remember we did that a while back. It was like $10 feeds for 21 days. Well, guess what? Uh, I want you to know it's great. Keep doing that. Yay. Thank you. Inflation has happened down there as well. Their currency is the American dollar and they are giving out eggs. So I'm just saying it went from $10 to $100 for, no, I'm just kidding. It went from $10 to $15. And so like if that was something you consider uh, to, to, um, to, to get, be more generous and give more to that, uh, to kind of meet that need because inflation is, is just, it's really hard for them down there uh, as well as it is with us as well. But it's just such a great thing. I'll talk about the education program in just a minute. But one of the things they're providing in their education program is that uh, these students that are scholarshipping, uh, they're actually giving them three meals a day. And some of you hear that like, so what? That's a huge deal. Huge deal. Let me give you the second thing. Uh, the, the second thing they're doing, clothing. Uh, we got to go down there during a clothing distribution. I don't know if you remember way back, we did a kind of a clothes drive, and they've got these big boxes that, uh, get, uh, that, that get shipped down there. It takes months to get down there. Uh, but one of the cool things when we were doing the clothing drive is I saw clothes from our kids down there. I saw GP kids shirts and all that kind of stuff. And so we set up clothes there, and then people had signed up to come in and actually get clothes. And this is a this is a huge deal for them to receive clothes for their children, clothes for themselves. Uh, and so when the text says, that they, you clothed me when I was naked, that's true. That, that's very, very true. I want you to know, Grace Point Church, we're going to be so much more involved with them uh, now in the future, like a, a higher rate of involvement to where we're going to ask you to bring clothes in. We're going to do a, a massive clothes drive. I'll say this, though, because I love you. Don't bring your dingies in. Just like, like, don't bring like, well, you know, this guy got eight holes in that shirt. I can't wear it. 
I'll give it to some. No, 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 no. Bring, bring good stuff in. Bring good stuff. Like, let's, let's give dignity. That's a good thing. So we had opportunity to do that. Uh, the text talks about when I was sick, you visited me. We, uh, we picked up a local uh, doctor, and they're kind of forming a relationship with this doctor to where we went to house visits. And when I say house visits, you're probably thinking about your house. They weren't like your house. Uh, they were shacks. Uh, they were lean-tos. They were like corrugated metal on the top and one side and open on three sides. It was, it was really rough, but we got to go see people uh, that, that needed help. And one, one of the persons we went and saw was a gentleman uh, who had a stroke and he was paralyzed from the right side down. And this was like, it, it's hard for your brain to function this. Uh, I'll get to Miss uh, Lydia in just a moment, but um, there was a gentleman who was paralyzed on one side, laying in a bed in a diaper, couldn't get out of his bed, couldn't walk. And so people, the community tried to take care of him by feeding him. And he was in a concrete block room, basically. That was his house with a steel door locked. It felt like prison. And when we walked in there, he just had joy that someone come visit him. And the doctor checked his vitals, and the jo- doctor was helping him out and all that. And it was just, I mean, there's, there's people in this world with great need. Uh, let me put Miss Lydia up there, Donia Lydia. She, just this wonderful lady. She, uh, they were checking on her. She has diabetes and a lot of different things going on. And uh, the doctor asked her, have you been taking your medication? She says, no. He said, well, why not? She said the, um, the drivers who pick her medication up because she can't get out, uh, they were afraid to come into the neighborhood because of gangs. Now, just so you know a little bit about El Salvador, gangs used to run El Salvador. They have a new president. The new president deemed any gang activity as terrorism uh, a couple of years ago. And so uh, if you do any gang activity, that's 20 years minimum. They've, they're building prisons. They've, they've locked up lots of people. It's safe to go there. So I wanted to tell you that it's safe to go there. But he was telling her, hey, that's, that's rumored. That's old way of like, there, there's newness. And so make sure she gets her medicine. Make sure she takes care of it. So they're, they're formulating relationships to really care for the sick down there. Let me give you another one. This one's super exciting. Education. Um, education is big. There's a school right there uh, where Carlos's grandma lives, and um, basically Carlos and Meyer can go into that school anytime and do anything they want because they've built such a good relationship. That's where we did the clothes drive. That's where the nutrition drive happens. That's where everything happens there uh, that they can go in. I think uh, Meyer is going to be teaching there next year. I mean, it's just a great relationship. But also, they want to impact future generations. And so they're scholarshiping students to go to university, which is life-changing. So right now they have four students. You can put the four students up there that they're scholarshipping uh, for to go to university. It's Karen, David, Melanie, and uh, Mary- Mariella. They're, they're going, you see them right there on the left, they're actually being, being taken care of, driven to school, which is a big deal. Uh, they're being fed three meals a day. They're getting tutors when needed, and their education is going to be taken care of. This is huge for them. And this is what our giving does. It goes towards that. Now, let me show you where Mariella lives. Uh, I took a kind of an... In, in, uh, this is where she lives. It's kind of a propped-up shack. Uh, and she, we, she brought us to her home, and she was telling us of all, like, what, what life was like without it. And she said this. She said, if I didn't have this program, my life would be nothing. And so th- these are just great gospel ways that we can care for people well and, and, and affect generational change. Let me give you one more thing they're doing. It's called the house. Uh, by the grace of God, they have a property. Uh, go back to that picture with the shovel. 
The, this is the property that they, they bought. Um, they're going to take shipping containers, uh, which is a very responsible thing to do, and they're going to have a three-phase house that they're going to uh, allow the doctors to come in and treat people, uh, classrooms there, a study hall there. Uh, Carlos and I are going to live there. There's youth ministry to where they're teaching kids the Bible. I mean, there's so many great things. There's plans there. I don't know why. Just the, the plans are just kind of neat looking. Uh, but there's just, there's just so much good there that we can be a witness to, that we can actually uh, trade our lives for. Now, you hear all this, and you're like, well, Ty, how do I get involved? What do I do? Number one, pray. Would you put a picture up of them? Here's a picture of Carlos and Myra. If you would, uh, would you take your phone out right now and take a picture of a picture? My kids call me old when I do that. (laughs) And I, I want you to see them. And keep that, like, like, make that one of your favorites in your albums. And I want you, Carlos and Myra, for Give Found it. I want you to pray for them. Just keep them in your prayers constantly. Constantly pray for them. Number two, I'm going to ask you to give. And I'm not asking you to give to Grace Point Church. Give directly to them. In your seat back pocket, there uh, is a, a bookmark and or a brochure. Grab that out. And the reason why they're in there, or an envelope as well, there's a QR code right there. If you scan that QR code, it goes right to them, and you can get all the information. There's videos and everything. I'm asking you, whatever extra you have or what little you have or big you have, whatever it is, to, to give. It's what you can give one time. You can give monthly. The monthly goes to feeding and nutrition, all that kind of stuff. It goes for the education. It goes for the, the, the building of the house down there and the ministry down there and for the gospel demonstration, the gospel proclamation. I'm asking, it's not going to Grace Point. It's going directly to them. I'm asking you to give up that cup of coffee, which is about 15 bucks now, or to go without eggs for one month or something like that. That'll cover most of it. Do something like that in order to, to, to be a witness down there. So Carlos and Myra can be a witness down there. Lastly, I'm asking you to go there. We have a bus outside right now. I'm just kidding. No, seriously. I, I, I want you to go there. If you've got a family, you've got kids, it's the perfect place to t- take kids. If you're uh, young, not so young, advanced in years, it's the perfect place to go. There will be opportunities for service ministries down there, whether you're in any kind of medical field, uh, dental or medical, or if you're a, a barber, if you're, uh, I mean, like there's a, I don't know, a nurse, a teacher, uh, there'll be all kinds of opportunities, uh, the construction or or, or if, you have no, if you have no, like, I'm not any of that, there's so many opportunities for you down there. And so I'm going to ask you to scan the black QR code on the seat back in front of you. And it's on there somewhere. You'll find it says, hey, I want to be put on a list to go down there. Because I have a feeling there's going to be lots of trips. We have a trip coming up in March. Uh, it's a kind of our covert first kind of Grace Point trip down there. A handful of people are going on. Uh, just kind of a test group, but like I know we're going to be sending lots of people down there. It's an opportunity for you to go as well. Okay. Let, let me finish with this. In Las Vegas, about 2.2 million people. 2.2 million people. Statistics tell us there are about 10% are Christians. And we look at that and we're like, my goodness. There are almost 2 million people here that don't know Jesus. That's overwhelming. Let's turn it around, though. Listen to me. There are 220,000 Christians in Las Vegas. 
There are about 800 that sit in here on a Sunday that live in this community and work in this community and all that. Jesus changed the world with 12. Imagine what we can do with 800 of us, like getting at it, like, like seriously being a witness and going to work and going to school, and being in our neighborhoods and telling people about Jesus and loving people well, or, and with that, that we care for the world around us, not just here, but there as well. Imagine the possibilities. Imagine what you could see in your lifetime that your kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids would see. What are you doing with your life? This. This is, this is where it's at. This is what I'm going to argue for, and I'm going to try my best to live out. This is what we should be doing with our life. Would you just, just join in as a family, and, and let's do this together and see Jesus made much of here and there as well. I'm going to pray for us, and let's go to the Lord's table together. Father, thank you so much just for the ability um, to be saved, that you saved us, and thank you so much, so much that we have the ability to, to live for you in everyday, ordinary ways. I pray, God, from your word, by your spirit, that you would move us, that you wake us up, rouse us to action to where we really want to take the words of Jesus serious and live them out. Help us be a witness, not for ourselves, not for good cause or anything like that, but just for you. And from that, May it change here and change there. Would you change us through it? God, we pray for Carlos and Myra and El Salvador. Lord, would you keep them from the evil one and evildoers? God, would you help us to be a support system to them? May we, may we care for them well through prayer and through our presence. Father, would you move us today? to be your witness. And from this, I pray there be many disciples, many churches planted. And from this, would it be for our joy? Would it be for our unity? Would it be for really the good of the world till your kingdom come and your will be done? We pray all in Christ's name. Amen.